Parashas Mishpatim begins with the Hadachas regarding the mitzvah of the Eved Ibri. The person is sold into slavery, how long he becomes a slave for, and how his master has to treat him. Many speeches, many drushas have been given around the question why the first mitzvah which we are given after Matan Torah, after we received the Ten Commandments, was the mitzvah of David Ibri. Why was this mitzvah chosen? But I think that the question is a mistake. Because if we look at last week's parasha, if we look at the end of parasha's Yisra, we will see that there were already a number of mitzvahs we were commanded in after Matan Torah and preceding parasha's Mishpatim, which came before David Ibri. Let's have a look. The first mitzvah which we're given after Matan Torah is Don't make yourselves gods of gold and silver, which Chazal explained, that we were instructed to make kruvim for the Mishkan. The two forms which grace the top of the Aranakodesh. Don't make kruvim in other places. Those would be gods of silver, gods of gold. Don't make the Kruvim out of silver instead of out of gold. Those would be gods of silver. This is the first commandment we're given after Matan Torah. The second commandment we're given after Matan Torah, don't use metal on the Mizbech. If you're going to use metal on the Mizbech, you've defiled the Mizbech. You've rendered it possible. Why? Chazal explains, brought in Rashi. Metal is used as an instrument of war. Metal can be wielded as a weapon. Metal causes death. And the Mizbech is something which is meant to be a source of fount of life. And therefore it's improper to use an agent as of death in building the Mizbech which is meant to promote life. That's the second mitzvah. And the third mitzvah the final pasuk of Parshas Yisro, which we are given after Matan Torah, is when you build the Mizbech, don't build it with stairs. Why? When a person has to climb a stair, he has to raise the foot. Um, raising a foot might expose his ankle, might expose his foot. And therefore, that's considered immodest. These were the first three mitzvahs given after Matan Torah. Now to create gods of silver and gold, which means Dalmekrubim in places besides the Kodesh or out of other materials. Don't use metal on the Mizbech and don't create stairs to ascend to the Mizbech with. And therefore, let's ask the question again. Why were those mitzvahs, the first three Commandments that we were given after Matan Torah. Why are they of such central importance? There are all the mitzvahs in the Torah, they were chosen to be mentioned first. Ravol Bezichron Alibracha shared a tremendous insight. If we think about the cardinal sins that the Torah forbids, 
in the Aseris Adibris itself, within the Ten Commandments, the three sins for which a person is required to give up his life rather than transgress. The first one is the second of the Ten Commandments, and that is not to believe in a God or worship a God other than Hashem. The prohibition of idolatry of Avodah The second, Leitirtzach, don't murder. And the third, Leitinaf, don't commit adultery. In its most severe, its most evil form, the Torah forbids morality, the Torah forbids bloodshed, the Torah forbids idolatry. But a person might be tempted to think that they are on a higher level, they are in a place where the restrictions, the prohibitions against adultery, idolatry and murder don't apply to them. They wouldn't entertain a havamina, a thought of murdering another person. And therefore the Torah comes back and talks again to the Jewish people who have just received the Luchas, who are in a way, way higher spiritual standing. And the Torah teaches us the important principle. The mitzvahs apply to you as well. Maybe on a much more subtle level, maybe on a much more spiritual level, basis. But the same principles of the Torah, which forbids serving idols, forbid murder, and forbid adultery, have a much, so to speak, higher manifestation as well, for the people on a higher level. And these are the three myths, the Isurim, that the Torah first gives us after Matan Torah. Klai Yisrael, even on the high spiritual plateau that you've reached, this Isser of idolatry still applies to you. Don't create Kruvim out of silver. Don't make Kruvim in places other than Aranakodesh. Yes, this is a very far cry from the evil of worshipping something besides Hashem, but a Me'ain, a Mashu, a tangible remnant of that same Avera is here too. Trying to create a physical representation of the spiritual, which is not meant to be created, which is not sanctioned by Hashem. And therefore, on a much more rarefied spiritual level, the Isra of Zorah comes back in the sense of don't create Kruvim where they're not commanded. Similarly, for people who are way removed from the temptation of committing murder, but the Isra comes back that don't use something which could be a weapon as a way to build a Mizbech. Distance yourself from an item, from a tool of destruction. When it comes to Mizbech, which is meant to be a source of purity and not life, so one can't use metal. This is a rarefied level of the Isr, of the severity of Ritzicha. And lastly, there's a tremendous difference between the grievous avera of committing adultery and not building steps in the Mizbech, but here also on a much higher level steps in the Mizbech have a tinge of the same avera. There's a certain level of a breach of modesty. The person has to raise his foot to climb to a higher stair 
will entail rather than climbing on a smooth slope of a ramp. And therefore on a higher level even this minuscule breach, so to speak, of a person's modesty is, also, is forbidden as well. And therefore the Torah's first Lotai says, first Yisurim, after Azaz Adibris, is to come back to those same points that the Torah forbade in Azaz Adibris and show us how they were applied to us, even on a much more exalted level that we were beholding at the time. And if that's the case, let's readdress the starting point that we began with. When we said that Darshanim say and ask, why was the first mitzvah after Lazarza Debris David Ivri? So we can quantify that. And not completely wrong. The three mitzvahs we spoke about, which appear at the end of Pasha's Yisrael, are all mitzvahs later, I say. They're all negative commandments. What are the first mitzvahs I say? What are the first positive commandments that we were given after the Seres Adibris? That's the beginning of this week's parasha. The first one is the mitzvah of the Evidibri. The second is the mitzvah of the Evid Nirza. The slave at the tenure of his six-year stint as an Evid comes to an end and he wants to remain as a slave so there's a mitzvah to drill a hole in his ear and that condemns him to being a slave until the over. That's the second. And the third mitzvah is the mitzvah of the Alma Ivriya. The girl who's sold by her father as a maidservant until she reaches maturity or until her master wants to marry her himself or give her to someone in his family to marry. So now we can ask the question, why were these three mitzvahs? The mitzvah of Eved Ivri, the mitzvah of the Eved who was here was born the Nirza, and the Am Ivriya, the first three positive mitzvahs that we were given after Rotten Torah. And if we look carefully, we'll see the same principle holds true. What lies at the base of the mitzvah of Evadibri? Let's think about it. The din of the Evadibri is that somebody who has stolen, a criminal, and is unable to pay his debts, so he's sold into servitude as a way to repay for what he stole, and the master who buys him is taught by the Torah how to treat him. He has to be your equal. Yes, you the master and he's the servant, but you can't enjoy a higher standard of life than you're going to share with him. Like the Gemara says, you can't eat fine quality food and give him second quality food. You can't eat refined flour and give him a coarse bread. You can't sleep on pillows and let him sleep on the floor. The mitzvah of how to treat an every every is the same as you. The same as you. And why would a person do that? Why would a person take somebody 
into his household somebody who's a convicted criminal. And not only can you not work him or exploit him, but one has to treat him rarely. One can't make him do tedious labor or menial labor. One has to give him the best of what he has. He has to give him generous gifts when he leaves. What was the khiv which would convince a person to buy an evidavery? And if we think about it, we'll come to the conclusion that really the parish of Ebed Ivri, the obligations which are put on the Adon and the Master, there is no better case of a mitzvah of how to treat another Jew. You know, to treat a Jew is on an exalted level, a great person, a close friend, a family member. To treat them well and show them chesed is easy in comparison. But now you're looking at how you deal with the lowest element in society. Not just the person who's destitute, but a person who's committed a crime. And how do you deal with the thief? And the Torah shows us here the expectation of chesed to another Jew. Exactly the same as you. You can't use your wealth or your social standing or even your moral greatness over him as a reason to treat him differently, as a reason to discriminate against him. The Abed Ibri is a Jew and he's given the full rights, so to speak, that you would give to yourself. One has to look for a demonstration of how we meant to relate to other Jews. Even Jews, like we said, and the lowest element of the Jewish population, that's the midst of every There's no better expression of a hafta It has to be like you. What you allow yourselves, you allow your avid. What you spend on yourself, you spend on the avid. So if you look at the mitzvah of Avedivri, this is the mitzvah assay, the positive commandment, which is in direct opposition, the exact opposite of the Isra of Ritzicha. What could motivate a person to stoop as low as to kill, the distance from someone else, so the positive mitzvah, which stands as the opposite of that, is the expectation of how we meant to treat every other Jew. And that's the midst of every The second Pasha is the Pasha of the Evid Nirza. The Evid Nirza is a servant who's been pampered and treated so well for the last six years, and he wants to stay. It's not surprising. He's allowed to stay. But now the Torah adds a punishment. You have to take him to the doorpost, and you have to bore a hole into his ear. Why? The Gemara asks, why is this a befitting punishment for the person who wants to remain an Eved? And the Gemara answers, and it says, This ear heard 
When Hashem spoke at Sinai, and He said, Klai Yisrael are my servants. And instead of being a servant of Hashem, He wants to be a servant of another human being. Tayratza. That ear should be bored. And the question is obvious. He didn't just become an avid now. He's been an avid for the last six years. He just wants to extend the period of servitude. He wants to remain an avid. If somebody who becomes an avid deserves to have his ear pierced, so why does this only happen now? Why not so much earlier when he became an avid six years ago? There are many answers to the question. What I want to share with you is a beautiful idea, which I think is from the Chachmus Manaych. There's a difference between the halacha of a regular avid and an avid who wishes to remain till the avid. Between normal avid and the nirza. And the difference is, the Gemara tells us in Kiddushin, that somebody who's been sold into servitude for six years has the option of buying himself into freedom. However much was paid to acquire him, the hefta, he can acquire himself in return. You can pay back that money to his master and you can go free. And the Otten can't object. If he returns the purchase price or however much is remaining of the time he still has to work, a proportion of the purchase price, he goes free. So if he was bought for 600 coins, for example, for six years, and he's worked for two years, so he still owes a balance of 400 coins. If he gives that money back to the other, then he leaves. That only applies to an avid during the first six years of his service. An avid who wishes to remain an avid and will now become an avid of the evil has no option of a hefta. He can't buy himself back into freedom. The reason is simple. There's no purchase price. And therefore, there isn't a value to how many years there are and how much he has to buy himself back for. And now he's forced to remain in Ever until the Ever. Says the Chachos Menach. There's a Gemara in Bava Metziah. And the Gemara asks the question, if a person undertook to do a certain job, a poil, a workman, who undertook a certain job, is he allowed to back out in the middle? Can he be Chayzer boy? In the middle of the job, and the Gemara brings Rav who says, If a worker wants to give up the job, he can stop, even if it's in the middle of his work time. Why? Because the Pasuk says, Kli b'nei Yisrael avodim. Kli Yisrael avodim av Hashem. How does this explain why a workman is allowed to renege on his commitment? So understanding is like this. As long as a person has the option to do something or not to do, to work or to desist, he's not an avid. Maybe he's committed financially to do a job, but he can choose not to do it. That's not an avid. When a person has no choice, he has to continue working. That's an avid. And therefore, if a workman who undertook a certain project, was forced to complete it, he would be an avid. But since 
Klai Yisrael are not meant to be Avodim. Therefore, a person, a workman, isn't in the position that he's forced to complete the job. He can quit. Obviously, he won't get paid, but he can quit in the middle. And therefore, says the Chacham Sunayich, the same thing applies to an Evet. During the first six years of his service, he wasn't really an Evet. Because if he wanted to, he could have bought his freedom. So he wasn't compelled to work. It's only after the six years are up and he chooses to stay till the Yovel and now there's no possibility of him buying himself back to freedom. Now he's a real avid. Now he has no choice but to work. And now the terrorist says, drill a hole in his ear. Because by forcing himself into a position where he has no choice but to work, that's an avid. And what's wrong with being an avid? By being an avid to another human being, there's something missing in your acceptance of the Abdus of Hashem. Kilibene Yisrael Avodim. Klai Yisrael are not meant to be Avodim to somebody else. Our commitment, which we can't change, is only to Hashem. We're His Avodim. And therefore, in this second mitzvah of Niritzah, we see the second mitzvah Sasei. And that is here also the darkest, the subtlety. Of the mitzvah say which stands in opposition to Avodazar. Avodazar is a terrible crime when a person accepts the allegiance of some false or foreign god. But the mitzvah say which shows us the dacustic nature, the delicate nature, the subtlety of what it means to be makabal avdus of Hashem, is that excludes us committing ourselves to anything else except for Hashem. And the avid who does that. He gets his whole, he got his whole pierced, his ear pierced, because he didn't hear properly what it means to be an Avodah Hashem. That's the second mitzvah. And now what's the third mitzvah? The mitzvah of the Amma Ivriya. There's two important halachas to point out by the Amma Ivriya. The first one is, a lady can never sell herself. We're talking here about a father who sells his daughter. Are we talking about a daughter who is a little child? She's under the age of 12. Why would a father sell his daughter? We're talking about a tragic circumstance where a family's reached such a level of poverty, such an extreme stage of destitution, that the father can't afford to feed her. She's going to starve. And at least if this way he gives her as the Amma, she's living in a household of somebody else, she'll have food to eat. At least this way her needs will be taken care of. How much profit can a person make from selling his daughter? How much work can a little girl do already? But we're talking about a case of a person who's so poor that he's unable to feed her. At least if she's in someone else's house, she'll get fed. And let's think a second, Rabbi Sai. If that's the level of poverty we're talking about, of a father who can't even afford to feed his children, what's going to be the next stage? How's he going to marry them off? How's he going to provide for them? And therefore, the mitzvah of Amor Ibriya has two parts to it. The first, that as a little girl, the Odin, the master of Ba'ad, should take her into his house 
and look after her. There's a second intention in the midst of Amr Ibrahim and that is hopefully either he or someone in his family will marry her. Because that way there will be somebody to care for her. There will be someone to look after her. Like the Torah says about her, you won't be able to shirk his responsibilities to provide her food, her clothing, all her needs. Because if not for that, then who's going to take care of her? And like the Gemara says, if a person, a girl, a lady, has no one to care for them, she becomes hefka, and that's a starting point which can bring to her very. And therefore, the Torah's mitzvah of how to concern ourselves with the Amr Ibriya, how to concern ourselves with the girl who has no one to look after her, and ensure that she's taken care of, and ensure that she's married, and ensure she has someone to provide for her, so there should never be a possibility of her turning to Avera. That's the mitzvah say which comes in contrast to the Isra of Arais. And therefore we see the same principle we mentioned before here as well. If the first three Isurim, the cardinal sins the Torah warns us against, Nazareth Sadebris, idolatry, murder, and adultery, the Torah repeats them again. Both in the first three mitzvahs, Loitase, that the Torah gives us Aserah Sadebris. That to teach us, these same Isurim apply to a person on a much higher level as well. The person who's building the base of Mikdash, whose thoughts are so far removed from any of these terrible averis. But yet on some level they apply to him too. Don't make Krovin with the unexpected. That's in the end of our desire. Don't use metal in the Mizbech. That's the main of Ritzicha. Don't make stairs on them instead of a ramp. That's the main of Gedele Arais. And if they apply to the Mitzvah's Loitase, we saw they apply to the Mitzvah's Asay as well. How the Torah protects us, the exact opposite of these Averis. How to look after another Jew. Even if he's, like we said, on the lowest element in society, the Mitzvah of Avery. How are we meant to hear what it means to be an Eved Hashem? And we have no commitments to anybody else. The exact opposite of our desire. And the lengths the Torah goes to to protect anybody from being in a situation where they might come to an Avera. The Om The opposite of the Isra of Gilearais. And the underlying lesson from all these points the Torah always applies. Whether it's on its most basic level or it's on its most ruchnizdik level. But each mitzvah and each iser is going to find its expression on a person whichever level he is. And therefore there's always room for further growth. We could have overcome the temptation for an avera, but we can overcome it again on a higher level. We can find the mitzvah say which develops within us the exact opposite of the forces which lead to that avera. This is the first lesson that Torah teaches us after Matan Torah. Yes, 
the Torah speaks about a severe form of Avera, the Torah also demands the highest level, which is going to be the opposite, the antidote to the forces of Avera as well.